Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm joined about half the time now by... Dustin Schutte. Dustin, you on Twitter? Nope. <laughs> and I am Jeffrey the Greek on Jeffrey at Jeffrey the Greek. I am on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. As uh, Kurt and I uh, had announced on the previous podcast, you know, funny thing is, DS, there might be a couple people that are going to be completely, you know, caught flat footed here with that intro and not even realizing that you're doing the midweek uh, podcast now. Uh, but Kurt, has had made the announcement on the last podcast. I did a bad job of setting that up, but uh, uh, so DS, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. So glad you could figure out a way to fit this into your schedule. Yes, I'm excited to be doing this uh, throughout the week. But I have to say, one of my uh, one of the things that I think is a worn out like cliche in sports is like that saying, "You don't want to be the guy that follows the guy," right? Like you don't want to be. You don't want to be the guy that has to follow Bob Knight at Indiana or Tom Osborne at Nebraska. I feel like that guy, though. I yeah. <laughs> I have to big, fill in for Big Kurt, who set such a great foundation. But I'll I'll do my best. I think you'd appreciate hearing that. We were trying to use comparisons. The best one I could come up with is ACDC. Uh, I think the first singer was Bon Scott, right? He was the one that like died in his own vomit. And then yeah. uh, Brian Johnson, I think, is the second one, or some Brian something. Long story short, ACDC was good before and after, you know, the switch of the lead singer. Some people might even think, you know, there's a debate there, which ACDC was good. So who knows? Who knows where this thing's going to go? We'll have to take a poll and see uh, whether they like the Sunday or the Wednesday. Actually, actually, I thinking back, I don't want that. I don't need that shot to my ego. <laughs> We'll just leave that be. Um, and then and then last thing on this topic before we move forward, uh, tons of DMs uh, to me, and it sounds like Kurt as well. Uh, people are are worried about that me and him are on the outs. We're not. We're fine. We're still recording on Sundays and, and in the offseason. It really is what Kurt said. It's a schedule. And then also people are concerned about Kurt's health. Uh, which I'm assuming is wrapped around his his drinking, you know, that maybe they thought something finally caught up to him and his liver was, da- you know, damaged and falling apart. But he's he's fine as far as we know. Everything's fine. This really just kind of comes down to a schedule thing. So there you go. He, he, he's just spending a little bit more time in the uh, Oscar the Grouch can during the week. It's <laughs> all it comes down to, right? It takes a lot to get Oscar out, you know. We never really saw him come out of that can. All right, so we will move on to week one here. Um so the first thing I thought we'd bring up, but we got a lot of games to cover, so there's not a lot to talk about uh, before. Thankfully, you know, you like to get this close to the season without knock on wood, wood any horrible things getting announced or whatever. Uh, the one thing I just thought I'd ask you about is the Big Ten has settled into the schedule now where there's, you know, two games on Thursday, two games on Friday. We've got seven games on Saturday you know, overall, how do you like that breakdown, you know, as a viewer fan, whatever? Yeah, uh, I think I became famous or infamous when I was in it, uh, writing about it, that I hated Friday night games and I kind of hated the breakdown. Uh, But that's just because you're constantly working. Uh, I always compared it like Friday night was like being called into work on Sunday night for most people. Like you got a full week ahead of you. And then all of a sudden you're getting called in at three o'clock on a Sunday and you got, you know, six hours of work to do. As a fan, I love it because then I get two games on Thursday. I can focus on those two games, two games on Friday, and then you kind of 
breathe. I don't want to say breeze into, but then you got a full day Saturday, but it's not like week two. I know we're not there yet. It's going to be a lot on Saturday with the 13 or 14 games. So I like how it's broken down as a fan. I'm, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really enjoy it. I might, uh, I might make some comments about how I enjoy Friday night games moving forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, we totally get where you were coming from uh, when you made those comments. I never agreed with them once because now <laughs> I'm sitting in the, I've been always been sitting in the situation you are in now. Um, right. Yeah, it gets nuts week two and three before we start whittling away the non-conference opponents. Obviously, when Big Ten teams start playing each other, you basically cut the thing in half right at that point. Uh, one thing I was, I was nice enough to get invited on to a, uh, a Penn state, uh, Facebook or, uh, um, Twitter live, uh, thing, you know, and we were talking about Penn state breaking down this, this upcoming game. And the question I wanted to ask them was, you know, how do you guys feel about such a big game happening? You know, it's on a Thursday night and it's a conference game. I mean, obviously we saw Nebraska Northwestern and the fallout, that came from that. And I think a big part of that fallout is that, you know, Nebraska is now 0-1 in the Big Ten. And basically the Penn State fans were saying, you know, we like it. Uh, and they were actually glad it was away so that they're not giving up a home game on a Thursday night like that, which I never even thought about. I I, I totally get that. Uh, but I think the general consensus for any Thursday and Friday game for a fan is it's worth it as long as you win, you know, because if you win, then you get that whole Saturday open to enjoy college football without the stress of what's going to happen to your football team. I think I think even if you lose, especially on a Thursday night game, because then you have all day Friday to kind of recover from that. You have something to look forward to. Yeah, you're 0-1, but it gives you something to look forward to. You go into a full weekend knowing, knowing the results. So you can just – like I always think Saturday – if you play on a Thursday or Friday, that's a stress-free Saturday. You guys have talked about it on the podcast before. Like, from a fan's perspective, it's it's a lot of fun, but it is weird. Like, I don't know how how do you feel about having such a big primetime game on a Thursday night? I mean, it, it's obviously going to draw a lot of viewers, and that's why Fox is doing it. But right. it, it seems weird to not have that like in that three thirty type of slot right before the Ohio State Notre Dame game or something, since it is such a Big time game with two. Well, Purdue finished really well last season, but Penn State struggled. Right. Um, you know, a little foreshadowing. We're not going to break this game down until the very end. So I think to me, this is a this is a huge game in the Big Ten. So I, I, I love it. I mean, the only thing that stinks is I had planned to go to the Minnesota game here locally. <laughs> I'm not going now. I'm sorry, but like I want to watch the Penn State Purdue game more than, you know, the Minnesota uh, contest that we got, you know, lined up here locally. So I love it. I love Northwestern. Nebraska last week, I mean, you know, tough tough situation for Nebraska, but for Northwestern, that's as good of a recruiting tool as you could have hoped because, you know, you, that was literally the only show in town. So I yeah. think if it's good for one or two uh, Big Ten teams, I got to think that's good for the Big Ten. Maybe this type of setup is something that they brought to the table with the TV deals saying, hey, this is the stuff we're doing to bring eyeballs to the TV set. So I'm, I'm actually all for it. I just continually hope that Iowa is not one of the teams <laughs> that has to play because I'm a selfish SOB. So, all right, here we go. Let's go ahead and get into these games, DS, because we got a bunch of them to yeah. break down. So once again, there are 11 games this weekend. Northwestern 
is idle. They get the whole free awesome weekend, still probably enjoying that win from last week. Uh, the first, so we got two on Thursday, two on Friday. As I foreshadowed, we're only going to break one Thursday night game because we're going to leave the other one to the very end. So the first game up is the uh, New Mexico State Aggies at the Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is an 8 o'clock p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Gophers by 36 and a half. The over-under is 53. So Vegas is saying something like 45 to 8 Gophers. We got Jerry Kill coming into town. Uh, when he was in town, it used to, they used to call it Jerry Soda. Uh, but anyways, you know, big win expected by Minnesota. Well, what you looking for here, Diaz? Well, to me, first of all, I'm looking for the pre and post game handshake between old Country Jer and PJ Fleck. Uh, I don't think there's are there two more opposite people that have coached Minnesota, by the way, like or just ever coached <laughs> at a same school before. Yeah, right. That's a great yeah. point. They could not, uh, the, the way they look, the way they sound. <laughs> I swear, I heard Kill get interviewed. He's picked up even more of a Southern twang since he yeah. was at Minnesota. Maybe he was trying to speak more Northern when he was here. He has let it go where he's at now, man. He sounds like he's from the Old West. He does. Well, I mean, that fix, fits well there, too, for New Mexico State. Um, I think mostly outside of that, I think I'm look, just kind of looking to see well, two things. One, what does the offense look like? Does it look like the old uh, show under Kirk Soraka now that he's back? Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting aspect to this because everybody just assumes when he's back, it's going to look like it did in 2019. I'm not convinced that's the case because Tanner Morgan has struggled, struggled quite a bit. And I think we found out how good Rashad Bateman and uh, uh, Tyler Johnson were as a part of that 2019 team, I think they'll be fine. The other thing I am looking for um, in this game is Minnesota has had issues with playing down to their level of competition. So can they finally kind of put their foot on the throat of a team that they should easily beat? I think those are great points. I mean, uh, Ryan Burns wrote an article about Minnesota season and, you know, which game – screams Bowling Green, you know, I don't think this one is it, you know, like right. that came a little bit deeper into September, uh, home opener Thursday night, the bank gets more juice than people realize. Like, I think they're going to be up for this game with the added juice of, of Jerry kill being on the other side. With that being said, the part you hit on with the offense dead on. I mean, I, number one, I want to see Mo on the field. Mo Ibrahim is one of my favorite big 10 performers to see, play the sport of football. I hope he's healthy. I hope he gets about 10 carries, you know, for about 80 yards, bust off a 25 yard touchdown, and then maybe pull him out of there would be my guess on what they do. Uh, but yeah, very excited to see if there is a receiver uh, not named crab, you know, if it's Dalen Wright, I think is who they want to be that alpha male going to be very interesting to see how that looks. And it is a kind of a new look offense when they don't have an offensive line that I don't know if you ever heard this the last couple of years, it was a very big offensive line. It's a little bit, it's a little bit smaller now, Dustin. We're not going to hear that yeah. anymore. So I'm, that's a big I'm deal. sad to not hear that every single week and throughout the week, uh, Mount <laughs> Falele and all those. <laughs> those other yeah. Uh, they're going to have to find a new narrative. I think it's also possible that we see 
like Minnesota is going to be able to run the ball a hundred times in this game if they want and probably win. So I don't know how much of that offense is going to be revealed either. I think, and I I'm with you, um, Mo Ibrahim in his 17th season at Minnesota. I think <laughs> they they use him sparingly. I, I I can't imagine based on his history and and the injury he sustained last year. I just don't think they're going to use him a whole lot. And if they have to, there's there's some issues there. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you there. And then quickly on the defense, I expect the defense to look very stout. I expect both sides of the ball to look good because New Mexico State is is not a quality football team. Uh, But I do want to see how well Minnesota can get to the quarterback. Uh, They lost some, you know, good edge rushers last year. Ajabo, or not Ajabo. Oh, man, my first brain fart of the season. Uh, um, Minnesota defensive. Anyways, you know who I'm talking about, and I can't think of the name. but uh, Azimi? Oh, to well, him too. There's two of them. I can't think of the th- the second rounder. Um, but I want to see if they can get to. Oh my, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get destroyed for that. But um, Boye Mafe, Boye Mafe, thank you, man, Boye Mafe. <laughs> you know, those are two big losses right there on the defensive line. So I want to see who can get to the quarterback. Uh, but in the end, I mean, we're obviously both picking Minnesota to win. It just depends on if we think they cover or not. I don't think they do. As oddly as it sounds, I think PJ, in a show of class so that he can tell people how classy he is. <laughs> He's not going to run up the score. And I think we're going to get somewhere around 41 to 10. So that's actually a New Mexico State cover. And at 51 points, that's slightly under the 53. I feel like him not running up the score is a is a throw of shade at Jerry Kill yes, uh, yes. In, in his own personal way. Uh, I'm not too far off of you. I've got – I can't get over the fact that Minnesota tends to play down to their competition. So I have Minnesota winning 37-17. to 17. So that's a New Mexico State cover. And at, at 54 points, that's actually the over. So I have a blow them out and sit on it. You have kind of a ugly blowout is what you're, is what you're picturing. I'm picturing, yes, I think that Minnesota will get out to maybe a 17-0 lead, something like that, and then you'll see New Mexico State score, then maybe another field goal or a touchdown by Minnesota. I just I can't see them pulling away from this game based on what I've seen in the past against this, these type of Interesting. teams. Interesting. I Even more reason to check this game out. Awesome. All right, moving on to Friday night. Two games on Friday night. First one up, the Western Michigan Broncos at the number 15 rank. Michigan State Spartans. This is a 6 o'clock p.m. game on the four-letter network. Line Sparty by 22, over under 54. So Vegas is saying something like 38 to 16. Western Michigan picked fourth in the MAC West They're, to try to give you an idea of the quality opponent Michigan State has. What are you looking for here, DS? Um, I think everything I'm going to look for is like is in the opener is going to be like in twos because for Michigan state, I'm looking at the offensive line in that peach bowl game. It did not look good uh, when Kenny Walker was not on the field. Uh, I think they will be fine in this game, but I want to see more out of them. And then obviously the secondary, like the, the worst pass defense in the country last season. I think they have the pieces there with bringing in a mere speed. They've got Xavier Henderson back. They got Ronald Williams. I think they have the pieces to be a much better secondary at the same time, I think they're losing quite a bit at the linebacker and, and on the defensive line. So they might be better in pass defense. What's their run defense look like? Um, th- those are the two things that, I, that I'm that i looking for most because I think offensive line play, I think Ken, Kenny Walker probably overshadowed quite a bit of their shortcomings up front, and they don't really have that type of back uh, in the backfield. 
this year. So we hit on the two things that Michigan State fans are so sick of hearing about, which is what are they going to be without Kenny Walker and how bad the pass defense is. It's just that those are the things, you know, that that are the talking points. So here, here's my prediction is is it it I just don't think Michigan State is going to be as explosive last year yeah. as they were last year on offense. I think they're going to be pretty good on offense. And I think they're going to it's going to be more complimentary football. I think you're going to start seeing that this week. Okay. Um, not a horrible Western Michigan team. I'm a big firm believer in the I didn't get a scholarship to the big name in-state yeah. programs with either Michigan or Michigan State. So you got that big old chip on, on the Broncos shoulder. I think that plays into them playing a little bit tougher. I think that plays into the spread. You know, I mean, we're barely over three touchdowns there. So I do think you're going to see a more, you know, slowed down attack. However, I think that's going to actually help out the Michigan State defense, though. And I think they've got a chip on their shoulder. I think they're sick of hearing, you know, slap dicks like yep. me and you saying the same stuff over and over again about their defense. I think they got something to prove as well. So I think you're going to see a more complimentary football, a better showing from the defense. Just so, But it's going to be weird because it's just going to be kind of a different style of, of, of Sparty. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be – I think they're going to still be a very formidable team. Those are just the two areas that if I'm looking for major improvement or have some questions on, I think those are the two – areas. I, I I think you're right. I think you hit the nail, nail on the head. I don't think they're going to be able to throw the flea flicker 18 times and score a touchdown on that this season. I, I forgot about that. I forgot about incredible that. things I've ever seen in, in a single season. But I do think that they might be able to kind of nickel and dime teams down the field. And like you said, that's probably going to play into the hand of the defense. Um, and that'll probably help them out on that side of the field too. All right. What you got? I have got Michigan State winning this game 42 to 10. So that's a Michigan State cover. And at 52 points, that is an under. Wow. You kind of deeped me right there. I didn't think that's yeah, did. where you're going. Okay. I got Michigan State 31, Western Michigan 13. So that's a Western Michigan cover. I kind of like Western Michigan in the points here. And at 44 points, that's quite a bit. Under, under the the total. All right, we're a little bit different there. Interesting. All right, here we go. All right, next game up, we got our first Big Ten on Big Ten uh, matchup. This is a big game, okay? It, yeah. Illinois fighting Illini at the Indiana Hoosiers. This is a 7 o'clock p.m. game on FS1. Line Hoosiers by three over under 46 and a half. So Vegas is saying 24 to 21. Here, I'll, I'll pose a question right here. Who's this game bigger for, Beetle or Tommy Allen? Tom Allen, I it, it am I wrong in saying that I think Brett Bielema has shown his teams can get better throughout the course of a season, and I'm not convinced that will happen with Tom Allen. I agree that Beetle has shown that his teams can get better, but I disagree and think this is a bigger game for Illinois. Really? Yes. I need to hear. I need to hear this, and then I'll, um, I'll counter to what you're about to say. Okay. Um, Indiana had a really bad year last year. Okay. Um, and any improvement upon that will be, I think, accepted at, at, in, in Bloomington. Okay. So they could lose this game, still go on to win three or four games. And as long as we see improvement throughout the year, I think Tom Allen's fine for Brett. You win this game, you start two and zero and one and zero in conference. You are really gaining momentum 
to get to a bowl game. And I think that momentum is something he needs on the recruiting trail as well. I don't, I'm not going to disagree with that. I look at this from a season standpoint and I feel like if Illinois loses this game, I have more faith that they can develop bounce back and get back into the bowl picture. They were not good early in the season a year ago and they still flirted with bowl eligibility and had some big wins against Minnesota and Penn state on the road. Indiana, in my opinion, if you can't beat Illinois at home, uh, Rutgers is better. Maryland's better. Who on the schedule do you, are you convinced you're going to be able to beat? Like, I think if they don't win this game, I feel like Indiana is flirting with two and 10 again. And then heading into 2023, you're talking about Tom Allen, little hot seat action. Maybe I don't, oh. I, I don't know about that, but um, that's why I just don't, if Indiana can't win this game, I don't know where they're going to get. I don't hmm. even know where they're going to get four wins. Um, I mean, I, I think Illinois is better than three or four teams on Indiana's schedule. So I would say that there's still some available wins, but you brought up good points there. Um, as far as what I'm looking for, I, I mean, what I'm looking for in Indiana is anything. I have no <laughs> clue. Like, I've I've tried to ask in, uh, Indiana fans. I've tried to ask Purdue fans. Maybe they know. So, n- nobody. I don't even know if, if Basilak is officially the starter unless that's been announced and I don't know about it yet. I, I haven't seen. No. And even if he, even if it has been announced, what is the, what is the play calls going to look like? What style of offense is this? It is a complete unknown with the Hoosiers right now. Yeah. This is like, uh, what's that movie? Like the skeleton key where nobody can get in. Uh, and then when you finally are able to bust in through that room that you're able and you don't find anything that you like, I feel like that's what it's going to be like, like you're going to bust in. Finally, we found the answers. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, wow, this is horrible. Uh, I I just, their offensive line is, it was so bad last year. Um, I think if base, let me put it this way. The way I've said it all off season is that I don't know who the starting quarterback is, but if it's not Connor Bazelak, Indiana is in some trouble because I don't, based on what I've seen, I don't trust Jack Tuttle at all to lead me to, a bowl game. And I don't know that that's a knock on him, but considering how bad their offensive line is, he's got no mobility. They don't have a lot of playmakers. I'm, I, I just don't have a lot of cop, not to give it away. I don't have a lot of confidence in Indiana being so secretive. Yeah, I understand. But I tell you what, that's one of the few chips they got to play. So they play it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't blame them whatsoever, but I will say on the positive side, Anything is better than the play calling and quarterback play that they got last year. A, a new play caller with with Basilak, it's got to look a little bit, <laughs> bit better, like did it look last year? And then on the other side, you got Tommy Allen coaching the defense. Like I fully expect their poop to be in a group. It's going to look better because Tommy Allen will refuse to let it look bad. So that is something that I'm actually pretty confident that that'll look pretty decent. Um, switching over to Illinois. I, I know what to expect with Illinois. They're going to run the ball and play solid defense. Yeah. Those are two things that typically play into a Big Ten team's winning football contests. Yeah, I, I don't have anything really written down other than can what does Illinois' pass defense look like against a, a Big Ten team? Because it, will, it looked incredible last week against Wyoming. 5 of 20 for, what was it, 31 yards, no touchdowns and interception. Um, we saw last season Illinois can run the football. I don't expect that to change. Chase Brown is a is a maniac. Um, they got a good they got a good uh, running combination. 
I don't have a lot. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of questions <laughs> because no. like you said, I, you know what you're going to get with Illinois. It's just a matter of how does it look against a big 10 team? Agree. And, and obviously Wyoming is, is a, a bad team. Uh, but right. I don't even think Illinois looked especially sharp last week and they still no. won by, you know, three and a half touchdowns. Like, but another thing I would say is I knew what to expect with Illinois, even before Wyoming, we got what, what I expected. You know, I thought it yeah. would be a good defense of a healthy rushing attack. I think the part that I didn't know about got answered as well, which is DeVito looked fine. We, yeah. we we're not expecting him to look like Aaron Rodgers here. We were looking at him to be efficient and I thought he was. So, I, I mean, with that being said, I have faith that Tommy Allen is going to do whatever he can to win this game. So, so I think this is going to be a good game. There's just more about Illinois. I trust more. So I've got Illinois 23, Indiana 21. Obviously, Illinois is a dog. So I've got Illinois covering that. And at 44 points, I got it going under that pretty low 46 and a half. Yeah, I'm with you uh, on the under there. That's a, that's a pretty comfortable under. I think, to me, I just think Illinois, having a game of experience underneath their belt, I think they're going to jump out early. And then they're just going to be like, that Python man, boa constrictor, suffocate Indiana. The offense I don't think is going to be so improved that it's going to be able to make up a lot of ground. I have Illinois winning this game 26 to 13. So that's obviously an Illinois cover. And at 39, that's a pretty healthy under. Wow. DS, you're kind of surprising me a couple of these picks here, man. <laughs> Very and also it's it's refreshing to hear my other podcaster pick Illinois. <laughs> In, in not five ways for Illinois to lose. <laughs> <laughs> this positive Illinois takes. I don't know what to do with this. I feel like I have to be negative now otherwise, to offset it. <laughs> we got to okay. find that balance somewhere. Yeah, yeah. All right. Moving into Saturday, which is the first day in September. And we have got, no, it's the third day in September. What the heck am I talking about? First game up, we've got the Colorado State Rams at the Number eight, Michigan Wolverines. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on ABC. Line, Michigan by 27 and a half, over under 58.5. So Vegas is saying somewhere around 44 to 14, Michigan. First thing, and we could have probably brought this up at the very beginning of the podcast, but a little bit odd situation this week where, where Harbaugh, a.k.a. Khaki Pants, announced that the first game, so this game, will be uh 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 wait which one's McCarthy is next week so then uh McNamara is this week yeah so Cade McNamara is this game JJ McCarthy is the next game versus Hawaii which by the way got absolutely trounced by Vanderbilt so I wonder if you know like I wonder if McNamara is like now wait a second here you know like Colorado State's a pretty decent team And, and and so that's crazy and then the other side of it is What's the play calling going to be like? Right. Do do I get to open up the offense and throw down field because you you assume they're going to be able to do that next week with McCarthy? Dude, I love it just because it's so interesting to talk about. But I've never seen this before. What what do you think? It's weird, but I I get it. I don't know why. I'm gonna. I don't know why they don't they don't just go roll with what they had last year because that seemed to be pretty successful where you rolled out McNamara as the starter and then you put in McCarthy throughout the game. And I feel like you can roll with the hot hand. I don't know. I just feel like doing it from one week to the next, 
Now I they're going like to name a start. They're going to name a starter after the second game. So this is right. this is just a two week experiment. We think. Um, <laughs> who knows with with khaki? Now that I'm on here uh, weekly, I can call him khaki pants. Absolutely. Uh, I I don't. I think it's good from the from the fan perspective, and it's interesting. I don't know if I like it from the other aspect, but then again, at the same time, this is also a way to prevent one of those kids from hitting the transfer portal before the start of the season. I don't know that that was the factor, but I, the way that college football is, if kids name the starter, he can go and, and play immediately. I have to think that was also a factor. Like, hey, we'll give you both a shot once the season starts. Um, so he, I, he wouldn't be able to play immediately. That's the new no. rule. So he would, he, but he could go to the transfer portal tomorrow, and obviously. Get, right. Yep. And go and go somewhere else. He wouldn't be able to play. Uh, uh, Harbaugh did come out and say that, you know, keeping one or both on the team had nothing to do with this. Um, I tend to believe him because I feel like Harbaugh, he just does not care. I honestly think Harbaugh just thinks this is the best course of action. I, 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 and he just wants to see it happen on the field. <laughs> I don't know. I think he, I'm, he's just, he always is, sounds very confused to me for me to believe a whole lot. But like, I think he's mostly probably a pretty trustworthy individual. Um, but at the same, I mean, he's not going to tell you whether or not one no. of the kids was thinking about transferring. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I don't think Michigan's in a bad spot at the quarterback position. So the fact that they're doing this for uh, a non-conference slate, that's, that's pretty pedestrian. I think it'll be okay. I just don't, I'm not a big fan of it going from one game to the next. I'd almost rather it be, experiment with how they did it last year and see if that works, but yeah. each their own. Um, so speaking of the game, Colorado state, they're picked fourth in the mountain West mountain division. So not expect, not exactly supposed to be a, a tough uh, opponent. Um, I guess I am looking for an offense first with Michigan. I mean, they just pounded the rock between tackles last year. That, that bell cow is in the NFL. Now I just want to see if they're going to keep doing that. And, and, you know, who's it going to be? Are they are they going to still have Corum be the outside guy? Uh, very interested in, in that uh, as far as between the tackles, outside zone. And then, you know, and this kind of gets back into the first part of the conversation. They seem to be enamored even more with their wide receivers now than they've ever been. So is it not so much check down Charlie with Cade? Are they going to toss it down the field more? Like, I really honestly expect this to be a more open attack. I do too. Um, that's uh, one of the notes I have written down is that I, this, they have so many weapons offensively that I am almost have more questions about their defense because of what they lost on that side. Like offensively, I think they're going to put up a lot of points. I think that even with, with Blake Corum with Donovan Edwards back there, I think they're in a really good spot. Uh, and then they got a bevy of wide receivers. I think I, I don't think the passing attack, as much as I just uh, talked about the quarterbacks and how I didn't like that setup, I do think the passing attack is going to be much improved. I think they're going to be able to fling it down the field. I think those guys can go up. Maybe not quite Ohio State-level talent at wide receiver, but I, I I think they're getting pretty close in terms pretty of close. their depth and their talent. Yeah, And they get Ronnie Bell back you know, right. this, uh, this year too. I mean, I, that was a huge loss for them last year. Like people almost kind of forget about that. Cause obviously they had such a great season, but man, that is a big time leader in the room and talent as well. As far as the defensive side, a lot of new faces on defense. It is my personal opinion that the defense is going to look more than fine when we see them play on Saturday morning. 
Oh yeah, they'll look they'll look just fine. Um, and I guess the other the the last thing I'm going to say about the offense is uh, what I, we might find out just how much of the play calling Josh Gaddis did over uh-huh, the past uh-huh, couple uh-huh. seasons. I tell you one thing. Michigan fans do not seem to be worried that Josh Gaddis is not calling no. the plays anymore. I wouldn't like I wouldn't they moved it. on fast from Josh Gaddis. So yeah, <laughs> I hear you there. Um, long story short is, you know, I think we're both, we both know what we're going to see here. It's, it's basically how bad do they want to paste their opponent this week because of the quarterback situation. I think they're going to want to put points on the board for both quarterbacks I love this game covering for Michigan. I got Michigan 51, Colorado State 10. So at 41 points, that is an easy cover for the Wolverines. And at 61 points, it is just over the the, the game total. Well, we're pretty close on that one. I had Michigan 52, Colorado State 14. Nice. <laughs> so nice. At six, so that's a obvious Michigan cover. And then at 66, that's a pretty comfortable, about a touchdown over. In all honesty, I probably like your prediction more. 10 might be a little bit low for how many points, but yeah, I think we see, we're see we kind of seeing the same thing here. All right, next game up, also, also at 11 o'clock a.m., the South Dakota State Jackrabbits coming into Kinnick Stadium to play the Iowa Hawkeyes. This is on FS1. No lines because of FCS. We can get offshore, but uh, it's too much work to do that throughout the year, so we're just going to call it how it is. Uh, yeah, so FCS schools coming in to play FBS schools. Hate it. Hate every part of it, especially when you are playing the third-ranked team in FCS. They got a quarterback that was gone last year through because of injury. He's back. He was their starter in 2020. They got a pair of good wide receivers, a good tight end, pretty good running backs. I mean, this is a good South Dakota State team coming in to play the Hawks. On the other side, you do have uh, a team that won 10 games last year. I I feel the need to remind people of that sometimes, apparently. Uh, Anyways, what are you looking at for when this game kicks off? First of all, I'm going to look to see if you're going to be running out there at wide receiver um, because I don't know if they have anybody healthy yeah. at that position. I think obviously this is this kind of goes back to the stuff you're tired of hearing about. What's a quarterback play look like? How did that kind of mesh with with Brian Ferentz taking over that role? Um, it's kind of like you talked about with Illinois, right? Like you kind of almost know what you're going to get with Iowa in these type of games. Um I have some concerns, obviously, about the passing attack. I think with Gavin Williams and LaShawn Williams in the backfield, I think that they'll be pretty good. You always trust uh, Iowa's offensive line play. Yes, they lost some some big playmakers to defense last year, but, man, there's maybe not more than – Phil, Phil Parker might be the guy I trust more than anybody in the Big Ten on the defensive coordinator side, uh, right up there with Jim Leonard. So I, I don't know. It's It's hard to tell because – I get what you're saying with this, uh, with the with the FCS and hating that game, and it's a good team at that level. But at the same time, I think Iowa just has, look, they've hit ten wins two of the last three years. I think they've got a lot of talent. I just their size is imposing. They're going to have a good. Hey, Dustin, this is my team I, here, man. Can I can I can I say something here? You got to give me something no. to talk about. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, yeah. Um, as long as they don't throw 37 interceptions, uh, <laughs> should be fine in this game. Just kind of looking for the, I, the quarterback play is what I'm, what I'm looking yeah. for. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if, if people aren't aware of what we're talking about, the Iowa receiving room obviously took a hit with Charlie Jones going late. I mean, we knew about, uh, you know, one of the defections before, uh, but Charlie Jones was a huge hit. I mean, that was a guy that, that, 
you know, Iowa fans and I guarantee the coaches were expecting to play. I felt okay through the summer on the depth. I'm like on, on the talent. I'm like, oh, but we just kept getting hit after hit. I mean, we are down to essentially one or two scholarship wide receivers. There, there could be formations dusted on Saturday where there's many wide receivers in my living room as we'll be on the field for the Hawkeyes. I, I I'm dead serious. Like, it could be 13 personnel, right? The one running back, three tight ends, like I, no wide receivers. Like it'll basically look like a goal line, but they will run a ton of 22 and 12 personnel where uh, uh, th- there's one wide receiver on the field. Iowa feels very good about their tight end depth. I think they're going to lean into that. I mean, everybody's curious to see what this looks like. Um, and as far as the passing attack, this could be reading too deep into things, but John Budmeyer is a quarterback specialist, used to be a, a, a Wisconsin Badger. Apparently, he has done a world of difference with helping the quarterback see the coverage and get the ball out quick. That's been the main goal, get the ball out quick, quick, quit trying to read so much of the defense and having late throws. So that's something I'm going to look for. Is it is it a quicker passing attack? Does that open things up? And, and I better hope to see a good rushing attack. Cause I can guarantee you as quick as they want to get the ball out. If I was not, you know, running the ball pretty well, there's going to be issues in Kinnick on, on Saturday. Let me ask this question before we move on. Uh, Iowa obviously depleted at wide receiver. Is there a silver lining here in your eyes? Obviously this is one of those pucker games that you talk about. Uh, is there a silver lining that at least, some of those younger guys are going to get experience early in the season and it's not a big 10 opponent. Yes. But only if they win. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, fair. Yes. All of that plays as long as they win um, on the defensive side of things. There's nothing I don't like about this defense. Uh, you know, like I don't know. I don't know which level I like the most, probably the linebackers, but the D line is deep and talented. The secondary as the Big Ten player of the year, like I have a lot of faith in the outcome of the game because of the defense, obviously, because of the special teams. Shout out to Tory Taylor. And I think the rushing attack will look improved. If we can get 200 yards and a touchdown out of the passing attack, as low as that bar is, I feel great. Uh, but ugly, sweaty, you know, not one of the most fun games in Kinnick. I got Iowa 27, South Dakota State 13. Wow, I have a little bit more confidence in Iowa. I think I think it's going to be ugly for a half. Maybe it's like a uh, you know a couple touchdowns, but I think Iowa pulls away. I have them winning thirty-seven to ten. You know what? I, I like your prediction a lot better. And the one thing is, me thinks Brian Ferentz is tired of all the crap yes. talking in the off. If there's if there's a chance to get points and yards on the board, they're going to take them if if they're there. Right. All right. Next game up. Also at 11 o'clock a.m., the Buffalo Bulls at the Maryland Terrapins. This is on Big Ten Network. Terps by 23 and a half, over under 63 and a half. So Vegas is saying something like 44 to 20. The Bulls, not great, picked fifth in the MAC. What are you thinking so far, Diaz? This is the Mike, uh, Mike Loxley special where it feels like his point total is going to hit over the over itself, the over under itself, uh, because he always does this to Mac teams or FCS teams. Um, I'm really curious to see. I think we know what we're going to get at quarterback. I think we're, we know what we're going to get at the wide receiver. They've got a loaded wide receiver room with uh, Rakeem Jarrett, 
Dante Dimas coming back, Jay Sean Jones. They just got so many playmakers. Uh, but one thing I'm I'm keeping before I I took my hiatus from Twitter. I saw that Jerry DiNardo tweeted out that of the teams that they had seen up to a certain point, that Maryland's linebackers were the best in the Big Ten. I'm calling BS on that. Right. I I mean, so that's a position group I'm going to be looking at because there has to be something to what he said. Uh, so maybe it's a lot better. I think they've got some players there, Ruben Hippolyte, Jayshon uh, Barnum. Uh, I think they have some good players there, but I mean, ultimately, I think we what we know we're, what we're going to get out of the offense. It's going to be high powered. Mike Loxley's not going to stop scoring until the clocks run out. Um, defensively, just that linebacker group is what I'm looking at. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you know that uh, like Lox has been scheming up these first couple drives, you know, since the yes. end of the bowl game, man. I mean, he knows exactly what he's going to run and. Whereas some offensive coordinators scheme things up to see what the defense will give them for Lux, looks, Lux just goes for the touchdown, man. He's like, yeah. how fast can I get this ball into the end zone? And then how fast can I get it done in the end zone? The second possession in the third, like he is going to go at it. Uh, I'm also interested to see how the running backs look. That's the one somewhat question mark. How much are they going to get, you know, in the game? And then honestly, like on the defensive side, if you are going to compete, right, I'm talking the Maryland Terrapins in the year 2022 in the Big Ten Conference, you need to look pretty darn good up front. Will they look like the dominant team both on offensive line, which I expect, but also on the defense? Like, that is what I'd be most interested to see is, does that front seven look like the definitely more physical group when they're going against the Buffalo offense and offensive line? So yeah, I, think I think that, that's fair. I think they will. <laughs> I have got Maryland 63, Buffalo <laughs> 17. Dude, I'm not joking. I think this is, is No, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. This is the Mike Loxley special. At 23 and a half, that's my amateur double barrel lock of the week. That could dang near be double. And I would like that. And at 72, I got I got this, you know, nine points over. And like you said, they could dang near approach the over. Uh, by themselves, I got them a half point uh, uh, under the total, the game total. So Buffalo's just got to kick a field goal for me, man. I feel like Mike Loxley's looking at that over under and like that that gif of the guy standing behind the tree, like licking his lips yeah, and rubbing his yeah. hands together. Like he's like, can I can I surpass that myself? That's fantastic. <laughs> I that don't. Exactly uh, what this is. <laughs> uh, I'm not quite as confident in their offense. Uh, I guess uh, just because I think Buffalo is a little bit better than some of the teams they've played on that opening week when um, when Loxley has run up the score. So I've got Maryland 49, Buffalo 21, because I don't have much faith in that defense. So that is a still a Maryland cover. And at 70 points, that is an over. And speak, since we had an Amador double barrel lock, we might as well go ahead and do a little read here. The Eyes on Big podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sipped neat or is perfect in bourbon cocktails. Just like your favorite go-to Big Ten football podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador and check out our new website and finder options so you can see 
where to find Amador near you at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey, born in Kentucky, raised in California. We got one game left at the 11 o'clock slate. This is unfortunately on the ACC network, which is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at the Boston College Eagles line. We've got uh, the Eagles by seven over under 48. So basically they're saying something like 28 to 21 Boston College. BC picked right around fifth in the ACC Atlantic. What are we uh, what are we looking for here, Diaz? I really like the running backs at Rutgers. Uh, I think Kyle Manungai is a has a lot of potential. And you wouldn't say that usually after losing a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, but I like what they have in him. Uh, and Aaron Young in the backfield. I think they have a really good secondary. And Rutgers is getting better slowly but surely. I still don't think they've got the bodies in the trenches. And I just don't think they have the size, the talent up front. Um, But this is an interesting game. This is one of the games that I think, um, you know, we talked about this with the Illinois-Indiana game. I think if Rutgers was to win this game, could really kind of propel them in a really strong direction. But I... I, I don't know. I'm. I the other question is, can Noah Vidal throw it downfield at all? Uh, it looked like in the spring game that's what they were trying to do with him a little bit more. Uh, they obviously have some other quarterbacks that they might throw out onto the field. We'll see. But I think this is going to be a strong rushing attack. I think it's going to be a physical Big Ten game. I don't have a lot of concerns about the defense. Just that vertical passing attack. Can they? Can they? Um, stretch it out enough to where they can be off balance and catch Boston college for some big plays. Um, I mean, and speaking of, you know, what, what do you get out of the quarterback position? Who are we going to get out of the quarterback yeah. position? I mean, it, I mean, there's a lot of smoke around Gavin Wimsett and is he going to be the guy uh, if, if we're going to start the Gavin Wimsett era, why not just start it now? Uh, so that'll be something interesting to see. I feel like uh has been pretty mum on that. As far as what I want to see is just, you know, something that you can wrap an identity around Rutgers offense where you leave this game and say, you know, that's what they want to do. I would think that would mean they would want to set up, you know, a solid rushing attack to try to take it some heat off of their quarterback. So I got to think that's we're going to see that. Um, and then both sides, you know, just how they're going to look around the line of scrimmage. I mean, this is a brand new offensive line. Like, completely new like and who knows what that means that could mean a vastly improved offensive line I don't know but this is a crazy influx of transfers and new guys to the team freshmen whatever on defense you know maybe this would be a defense that needs to live off of big plays so getting into the backfield forcing turnovers I don't have a ton of confidence that this is going to be a front seven that's just going to shut people down and you know real quickly on Boston College I mean, Phil Djokovic and Zay Flowers, like, this is a really good quarterback-wide receiver combo for Boston College. You know, I mean, this isn't your slightly older brothers, Boston College, where they were just horrible offensively, you know? Like, these these dudes put up points. I do think that also means Rutgers can probably, you know, move the ball on them uh, a little bit. But ultimately, the only thing that scares me about this line is the line itself because I expected it to be 10 to maybe six points higher. So I've got Boston college 34 Rutgers 20. Okay. So that's a, that's a touchdown cover over the touchdown. And at 54 points, I've got the over. 
Wow. Uh, we could not be more opposite on this, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I This feels like a prime number game to me. Um, I don't know why. That's just the vibe I'm getting. So I'm going with Boston College 23-17. to 17. So that would be a Rutgers cover. Okay. And at 40 points, that's a pretty healthy under. I wow. just... I'll, I, I don't know. I think that Rutgers' defense is is better uh, with that secondary. I think they'll be able to stop some of the big plays that they surrendered last season. But I don't have much faith in them to score a lot of points. So I think it's going to be low scoring in the opener. I tell you what, this line stinks. It stinks to high heaven. Oh. So you might be onto something with, with picking I, Rutgers. I forgot that was my Amador double barrel lock of the week. So. So the under, the under, the under, the under, okay. I'm locking right, down the under. You, if, 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 if your <laughs> under is a one point cover, that's, that's pretty ballsy, but okay. So you, the under is your cover. I'm not as committed to the over. Just want to say, as I am that I think Boston Co- college can cover the seven. So, yeah. all right, next up our only afternoon game. This is so stupid. Why can't we make one of these 11 o'clock games into an afternoon game? Why do they do this? It doesn't make any sense. I have no idea. Um, it's bad for advertisers. Everybody. It's bad for Big Ten fans. It's stupid. Like, like it might be that Boston College Rutgers game should be the afternoon game. I agree. Yeah, you could fit. You could easily fit one or two more in there. Makes no sense. All right. The North Dakota Fighting Hawks. I had to look that up, man. I did not know. The North Dakota Fighting Hawks at the Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. There is no line because this is another FCS game. Nodak, not ranked in the FCS polls. They were 5-6 and six last year. Not a quality team. Probably the type of team that Nebraska wants to see coming to Memorial Stadium after that long trip back from Ireland. First off, I want to know, like, was this Bill Moose who scheduled this game, like double middle fingers out the window or out the door as he left Nebraska? Because it makes no sense as to why they're playing this game, in my opinion. Like, you, so are you saying that it's that they're not idle this week, or or the yes. opponent, or or maybe both? I guess uh, a, a combination. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts on this game. If you want, if you want to go ahead and say that, okay, okay, I'll jump right in here then. Uh, so. You look at North Dakota, how they played last year. Not a good team, but they lost all of their games by one possession. Nebraska's coming off a heartbreaking loss in a different country. They've got to get back. They basically are on a short week. This game is going to serve as North Dakota's Super Bowl if they can go in and pull off some sort of upset. And one thing I would add is North and South Dakota football players one of their dream schools, if not the dream school for them to go, is Nebraska. So it's it's kind of that same type of situation. I hate this game for Nebraska on so many different levels. Not to mention the fact, um, it, it, maybe this is me being a little too, reading a little too much into this, but after they just got beat in another one-possession game and then Scott Frost making the comment, I don't know how anybody can live with, losing so many one possession games like North Dakota state did kind of self-deprecating. I, I just don't know that that's the kind of message I want my team hearing, uh, considering we've lost seven straight games, three and 10 in your last 13 games. I think Nebraska is obviously more talented, but I, I hate this game. If I'm a Nebraska fan, 
I hate. I mean, I hate this game. I hate. Always hate. The, I mean, I hate Iowa's game. I hate Nebraska's game here. I mean, I do not understand the appeal of a Big Ten program. You know, scheduling an FCS opponent, it honestly makes more sense for MAC schools and stuff like that. Right. People don't notice as much, you know, if a MAC school or SWAC school goes down or whatever. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I would rather see, I, I'm the type of fan that I would rather see Alabama here, you know, yeah. or or a big name because, hey, you, you get beat there, you know, whatever. You just, you just, you know, flip the page and go forward. Uh, the psyche is the deal. I mean, I, I hear Nebraska podcasters talk about it. I hear Nebraska fans talking about it. It's not the talent. It's certainly a little bit with the X's and O's, but it's the psyche and the emotion. Um, I think you saw it. You saw them get caught up with it again in Northwestern when they lost the lead, you know, that they couldn't, they couldn't rebound from it the second time. I mean, they rebound from it the first time, Uh, but that, that whole thing and how they can come back with is a huge thing to look as far as like more X's and O's. Um, there was only two games to watch, you know, so I rewatched Nebraska Northwestern and Illinois game twice. Like, and, and cause that's it, man. That's, that's what right. I got to look this week. It'll change, you know, after this weekend. And when I watched Nebraska, um, I mean, I saw linebackers that were lost. I don't know what they were looking at. Maybe it was something that, you know, Northwestern was doing with a zone rushing attack. So I need to see Nebraska's linebackers get lined up and play better. And honestly, it's just, if breaking down the defense, it's right down the middles. Nebraska's defensive tackles were getting pushed around the safeties in the passing attack. And this is versus Northwestern. Like they, they were lost. They weren't getting lined up. Like there is a ton of stuff for chins to work on with this defense. And, you know, I'm not saying North Dakota is a world beater for a passing attack, but they definitely obviously put on that Northwestern film and the things that they saw Northwestern do they're gonna they're gonna go right at it again against Nebraska. So Nebraska's got to be ready to adjust and fix the mistakes that they showed last week versus Northwestern. Well, and Northwestern, everybody knew in the stadium that Northwestern was going to run the football, and Nebraska still couldn't stop it. And Nebraska tried to mix up their run; they could not get any push on the offensive line. Like their 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 upfront play on both sides was horrendous, uh, and so that's why I think. I could, it could be really ugly. Nebraska could win this game like they beat uh, Fordham a year ago uh, and just cruise to it. I just don't think that's how it's going to happen. And they better hope that it's not close right. going into that fourth quarter because yeah. then every, then everything's off the table. That mentality sinks back in. Um, that is the scary no, thought. I mean, I, I don't know how many Nebraska fans are going to want to admit that, but if this right. is a game going into the second half and deeper, deeper in the third quarter, the the butthole clenching that would be happening all across Nebraska would be horrible. And don't get me wrong, like the, the same butthole, the butt clenching could be happening in Iowa City, you know, later earlier in the day. So like, right, I, I've been there. I get it. Um, as far as the rushing attack, I don't know if this is you know kind of picking stats where you want, but Nebraska's rushing attack versus Northwestern officially was thirty one carries, one hundred and ten yards. Okay, three point five yard average. That's not great. If you take away the one big run they had, 30 carries for 64 yards, just over two Ooh. yards a carry. They they had no rushing attack outside of, of, of the big one they busted open. So I don't know. That might be the number one thing I want to see fixed this week is having a rushing attack because you need that to survive in, you know, in this division. 
because I, I've got a ton of faith in Casey Thompson and those receivers, ton of faith in, in, in that side of it. But we, we got to get a rushing attack to complement it. I have a ton of faith in them as long as it doesn't come down to the fourth quarter. Um, so having said that and everything that uh, we just talked about, I do think Nebraska wins, but it's 31-21. I have the Huskers coming out on top of a closer than wow. you'd like. Okay. Uh, so you're picking the yeah. more Fordham route for how this looks because that's the comparison that I've heard from last year. I'm picking the opposite of the Fordham. Wasn't the Fordham game like Fordham, Fordham was – I thought – which one? They had two patsies last year. I thought one of them was close, but I might be – I thought yes, Fordham you're right. Yeah, Fordham. Fordham was the blowout, and then would that would Buffalo was like twenty eight to ten or something yes, like Buffalo that. Yes, Buffalo is closer. And okay, I, yes. I reverse those. So I guess I I I believe it will be more of the latter, which is a little bit tense. But I I have faith in Chins that he's going to get a couple things figured out defensively. If they get the ball rolling on offense, that's when their offense takes off. So I've got Nebraska forty, Nodak seventeen. All right, moving into the evening, the Illinois State Redbirds coming into Wisconsin to play the Batchers. This is a 6 o'clock p.m. game on FS1. Like the other ones before it, there is no line here. The Redbirds uh, not ranked in FCS. They finished 4-7 and seven last year. What are you looking for in this game? If we get a mention of Jake Ferguson still being Barry Alvarez's <laughs> grandson, number one, and how many times we hear Braylon Allen is an 18-year-old sophomore. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't think we'll get the first one, but we're going to get Braylon Allen as an 18 year old. We're going to get that. Absolutely. One. Yeah. On the, on the field. I, I think the really um, just kind of what the offense looks like with Bobby in- uh, Ingram running it. What can Graham Mertz stretch the field? What does it, what does it look like? And then there's still a lot of questions I have about the wide receiver position. Um, Jim DK, Skylar Bell, uh, Dean Ingram. They have some guys there that I think they can trust. Um, I don't know what we're going to learn from this game. The rushing attack is going to be fine. I trust Jim Leonard on defense. To me, it comes down to what's the offensive look like? What does uh, How does Graham Mertz play? And, and who steps up at wide receiver? Yeah, um, not much to add. I have pretty much the exact same bullet points down. Now, rumors fly, you know, and message board and Twitter and all that stuff. But th- there's rumors that this could potentially look like a much different offense. Really? The, the AKA modernization of the Badger offense uh, three and four wide receiver sets type of deal. Not as much fullback in the backfield. I, I don't know if that's true, which is why tuning into this game will be interesting. It is extremely hard for me to believe that Wisconsin's not going to rely on the best player on their football team, or at least the second best player on their football team and Braylon Allen with their best player being on the other side of the ball. Um, so they're going to run the ball. Don't get me wrong, but what are the, what, what sets are they going to run it out of? You know, um, that is, what's going to be a lot of 11, you know, potentially with a bunch of wide receivers out there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. And and if that's the case, are they throwing the ball more? Are they throwing the ball down the field more? They got to trust their quarterback to do that. That's I, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued enough to tune in to see if that's what this is going to look like. Yeah. And I, I, that's, that's going to be interesting to me. It sounds way too exciting for Paul Chris to try to run that sort of offense, but I mean, <laughs> you've got to do something. You've got to do something a little bit different. I think if you not to win the big 10 West, they've proven that they can win the big 10 West the way they play. But if you want to get to that 
Big Ten championship college football playoff level, which I think is the next step for them, then I think you're going to have to open it up and, and try to find some playmakers, be able to stretch the field a little bit better than what they're able to do. So it's going to be very interesting because they lost a lot of talent in that passing attack um, last season. And um, yeah, it's, I, I really got nothing else yeah. after that. The only thing I would add is, you know, it, it, it's a Jim Leon hard defense. It's going to look great, but like, yeah, will it not look extremely dominant? You know what I mean? Will they, yeah, will they allow 280 yards, you know, like, and I'm kind of, I'm not joking with that. I mean, you would have ever expected the team to get over 200 yards last year in this type of setting. Like, can you kind of see a little bit of we're figuring things out on defense a little bit with all the new faces, I doubt it, but but it's it's possible, I guess, is what I'm saying. In the end, I think, you know, the the offensive line looks good. I think the passing attack will look just a touch better. I got Wisconsin 41, Illinois State 6. We're close on that one. I've got Wisconsin 45, Illinois State 9. <laughs> we see the same thing. Just a couple, yeah. just a couple, couple field goals, something like that. A couple field goals, yep. All right, moving into our last two games, kind of saving the best for last year. Uh, probably a lot of people would assume this would be the Big Ten game of the week. Don't get me wrong, folks. I'm looking forward to this game. I just think it lacks a little bit of punch to it. Uh, we could talk about that maybe a little bit, but the number five, Notre Dame Fighting Irish coming into the shoe. Uh, I believe it's the hundred and some year anniversary of the shoe being built, something like that. I don't know the exact number to play the number two Ohio state Buckeyes. This is a six 30 PM game on ABC line Buckeyes by 17 and a half over under 58.5. So Vegas is saying something like a 38 to 21 game. Uh, this is the beginning of the Marcus Freeman era at Notre Dame, by the way, don't you know, this will, this will be something said a thousand times. Did you, did you know Marcus Freeman played football <laughs> at Ohio State? At Ohio State. Show lots of clips, lots of cl clips of him tackling people in Ohio State uniforms. So anyways, what are we looking at here for, for this contest? Okay, I'm going to ask this question. It might sound dumb. Does the fact that it's Marcus Freeman's first game take a little bit of the luster out of it for you? Yes, I, okay. I believe it takes the luster out of it for everybody. Because if it was Brian Kelly, I think there's no question that this is – maybe the big 10 game of the week um, and a lower line. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what fact, uh, what factored into this for me for being the big 10 or not being the big 10 game of the week is, you know, we only got one team. That's a big 10 team, you know, we, right, you know, right. whereas the next one, we're going to have two. So that just means something more to me, but all the things here, 17 and a half point line first game for Marcus Freeman. I mean, pretty much everybody and their uncle picking, you know, Ohio state to run away with this. So I mean, this does have the potential to basically be over by the third quarter. I think so, too. Um, and so, on. I mean, to me, I just have one note. Um, well, two notes, sorry. First question is statement game. They hated how last season ended. Ohio State did, losing to Michigan. Um, so do they come out and want to make a statement in that opening game? And then second of all, just what does the defense look like? Um I was very impressed with the stuff I heard from Jim Knowles from what I saw. I think he's a very hands-on type of instructor. Everything he did at Oklahoma State a season ago. Ohio State always has the talents. Now that you're going to put the players in the right kind of position, it was it was weird. Like I think when they had Greg Schiano running the defense, he was too precise and too schemey. And then Kerry Coombs was basically too go I'm out and school. play. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so now I think they found a good balance of Jim Knowles, like, let's go out and play. Here's our, here's our schemes. Let's go out and play. And I think that that's – Ohio State's got the talent. I think that this defense is maybe not 2019 good when they had guys like Jeff Okuda and Chase Young and some of those other guys. But I think it's – I think it's maybe a notch below, so I think it's going to be much improved. But just to see how they come out of the gates in that week one game is really what I'm looking for at Ohio State. You know what they're getting with their offense. I know it's it's so weird with Ohio State's offense. It's almost to the point where it's boring to talk about the offense because you know exactly <laughs> what, you, what you're going to get. With that being said, dude, watching Jackson Smith and Jimba go to town, oh, yes. it, it is it is must-see TV. You know, like, I, 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 I mean – as good as Stroud is, and he's great. Like, there's no besmirching of Stroud here at all. I, I, I think JSN is even more amazing. Like, I think JSN might be the best player in college football. Like, like hands down, even if he doesn't win the Heisman. Uh, so that is fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch Travion Henderson. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's fun to watch the Ohio State offense. You just kind of expect what it's going to look like. Uh, with that being said, this is a Notre Dame team that's got a good O line. And front seven, like we might be putting a little too much into this being a blowout than what's actual possible. Like I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth here, but it would not shock me if Notre Dame hangs in with this, this Ohio state team. And if so, I don't think that means that Ohio state is in trouble. If Ohio state shockingly wins this game by 14, I I think Ohio State fans will be melting down, but I think they should be walking away in that case being happy because this is a pretty good Notre Dame team. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's going to be solid. I just, I think with everything that happened last year, having to watch Michigan celebrate in Indianapolis, making the changes that Ryan Day made, the amount of playmakers they have on both sides of the ball, that's why I'm just, I, I don't see this. Maybe it's close through the half. Maybe uh, I, I just... I see Ohio State completely flexing their muscle and dominating. And the fact that this game's at home, I think that's a huge advantage for Ohio State in this one. So um, if I'll just jump into my yep. what my score prediction yep. was. I had Ohio State uh, winning this game 41 to 14. So that is easily um, an Ohio State cover. And then at 55, that is a, about a field goal under. All right. I mean, we're a little bit off, uh, but not much. Uh, the funny thing is, I swear, I predicted this score before I looked at the line and, and over under. I swear. I've got Ohio State 38, Notre Dame 20. That is a half point cover for Ohio State and a half point under the game total. I have no way to prove this, but I swear that's how close I was to predicting the score just off of what Vegas. So long story short. I am watching this game to be entertained. I ain't watching it for uh, any any kind of you know helping out the funds because well, it's just straight gamble no. too, you know. But like <laughs> I, I don't feel I don't feel I like this at all either way. All right, that brings us to the last game, the Big Ten game of the week, going all the way back to Thursday night, September first, the Penn State Nittany Lions at the Purdue. Boilermakers, we got an east-west matchup here. This is a 7 o'clock p.m. game on Fox line. Penn State by 3.5 over under 53.5. So Vegas is saying something like 28 to 24 Nittany Lions, which would be, I mean, that sounds like an absolute classic. We got about a 1,000 things we could talk about here. Um, 
you started off. It, you know, one thing that I want to say is, like, is this a Brom like Tom game? Is this a big enough, you know, uh, opponent where we have a Brom like Tom moment? Okay, that's something that I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, does Penn State actually benefit from not being ranked here? You know, in the end, yeah. are they happy that they didn't start the season ranked, you know, 19th or something like that? Another thing, too, I'm just throwing out a bunch of stuff here, DS. I'm sorry, but like, is this the biggest ego matchup that we have with Brom calling the plays and Manny Diaz calling the defense for Penn State? Like, will we will we open up a new portal to a different universe by having those two egos so close to each other in one stadium? That that's a very uh, real possibility. I did not even think of that, but that's a very good possibility. I mean, this game is so intriguing to me on so many different levels. And here's something that I looked up because Jeff Brom has not been the best opening day coach. He in he lost his first three games all by one possession in the season opener from 2017 to 19. He won in 2020 when he he was not on the sideline. They edged past Iowa in that 2020 COVID year, so some funky things happening there. And then last year they beat Oregon State, a not a good Oregon State, decent, by nine points. So Purdue has played some tough teams out of the gate. They've never really flexed their muscle. So... I don't think Purdue's a good early season team. You're uh, you're already fitting into the Kurt role. Well, I had these, I had these same things that I was going to bring up. But you know what? Not only did you steal it, you took it further than I would have explained it. So nice, nice work, DS. Yeah, it's 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 been a sneaky slow building team in, in yeah. under Brom. And so I, I don't have much trust there. But I look back at Penn State and. These past two seasons have been really disappointing. They haven't gotten any push on the offensive line. Their defense has been phenomenal. I have some questions about making the uh, the, the transition from uh, Brett Pry to Manny Diaz. I think they're both good coordinators, but that might be that might be a, a transition period. And then Sean Clifford. I mean, he's good. Is he going to take that next step to be great? Where if Penn State can't run the football, is he going to be that Trace McSorley that can pick up? 12 or 15 yards when they need to. Can he, yeah. you know, scramble around and, and find an open receiver? Like, there's just so many interesting – a lot of teams went through a lot of different changes this offseason. Like, this is why it's the Big Ten game of the week. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever been more geeked to watch a week one game where neither team is ranked, you know, technically, in my entire life. I mean, right. these could theoretically be the – 26th and 28th ranked team, you know, in, in the nation or, you know, Penn State should probably be ranked in, in my humble opinion. When Penn State has the ball, what is their identity? You know, like, is it a we're throwing the ball to set up the run type of deal? Like, I I, I wonder if that's what it's going to be. And if that's the case, how does that make you feel as a Penn State fan? You know, like, how, how would that make Penn State fans feel is what I should say. Um like if we get a strong push from the Penn state offensive line in the rushing attack. So long story short, <laughs> suddenly Penn state has a rushing attack, right? This game's over. Okay. Yes. Like I, I, it is, there's too many check marks on Penn state's side. I, I don't think that's going to happen. B 
because I, it's been too darn long since I've seen Penn State do that. And I do think this is a Purdue front seven that lacks stars, but it's got experience, you know, all, all over the place. So, you know, like, I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, you know, it's, it's, it's a rough night for Purdue. I agree with you. The one thing I think that plays in Penn State's favor is if there's a team in the Big Ten West that they can run the football on, it's probably going to be Purdue. Like, they weren't able to do it against Wisconsin. They weren't able to do it against Iowa. They are going to – this is a team that they can do it on. So you can maybe set the foundation for what you're going to try to do. And I don't think it has to be a great rushing attack because they got – playmaker they don't have a Jahan Dotson or a KJ Hamler or anybody like that but they've got some talented guys on the perimeter and I don't I'm still not Purdue's defense is going to be fine I'm still not completely sold that it's going to be nearly as good as it was last year despite what some people are saying they lost a lot of George Karloftis they lost some good players and their DC I mean I I think I think their DC I think Lambert being gone is almost as big of a loss than Karloftis and I completely agree. So if Penn State's able to establish some sort of run game where they can get four to five yards of carry and then hit you deep, it, that tough. one could it, it could also it could also get ugly. I, I would say the only way I see this getting ugly is that if Penn State has a rushing attack and 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 that's mm-hmm. how it goes down. And by the way, if they do, is it going to be Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, the super you know talented freshman that everybody's hearing about? On the other side of things. <laughs> also very interesting because we've heard all about Aiden O'Connell and we should. And I mean, that is a, a steady quarterback. Maybe part of the reason that Purdue has had the slow starts is because Brahm is always playing musical chairs with his quarterback. Yes. That's not going to be the case this year. We Great know point. who the quarterback is. He's made fun of himself recently about how Aiden O'Connell probably should have been, you know, the starter right from the get go. Last year, I have I have lots of faith in in Aiden O'Connell as a quarterback and as a dude. You know, like I just think he's a really good team leader. I just kind of wonder about the, him getting pass blocking. Yes, who he's throwing to, and if that doesn't work at times when he hands the ball off with the offensive line and running back behind him, like there seems to be more question marks around Aiden O'Connell that I feel like a lot of people are paying attention to. I, I agree with that, but mine are more along the offensive line and what you talked about because Purdue's offensive line has never been really good under Brom. I don't have any concern about the wide receiver. Like to me, it's, it's almost like Ohio state light beer in that Jeff Brom knows how to get the receivers to football. Like he, he turned uh, a guy who had to have double knee surgery at the end of the season into a 200 yard receiver in that music city bowl. So I don't have, I don't have the concern about the receivers and who he's throwing to. They don't have a David bell, but I think because of his experience, Aiden O'Connell will be just fine. My concern is that that your first point, uh, what's the, what's the pass block going to look like? Can they get any sort of run? So he doesn't have to throw it 80 times per game because against that Penn state defense, even though I think it might take a step back, if you have to throw all day, those those that secondary will sit back there and they'll they'll end up with two or three interceptions and it'll be good night. I agree. I mean, thanks for pointing out that Brom probably will be fine. Maybe one of us could play wide receiver. Heck, he could have Iowa's wide receivers and probably still do. <laughs> do uh, but Charlie Jones, Brock Thompson, 
Um, I, uh, and then I'm interested to see how they use Tyrone, Tyrone Tracy. Here's a little something that I'm, I've got my eye on. The only thing about the Penn State defense that makes me nervous if I'm a Penn State fan is the linebackers. They got a lot of questions there. Yeah. Does Payne Durham just go to town against that second yeah. level? And, and is that something that that uh, Brom attacks? Uh, but I do think this is a good secondary and D-line. Yeah. And if you're going against a passing attack team, I feel like it's good to be good in the secondary and in the D-line. Maybe a little bit of a foreshadowing here, but I think this matches up pretty well for Penn State on, on Thursday night. Anything could happen, turnovers, something like that. So so don't get me wrong. Like I would totally understand anybody predicting, predicting Purdue here. I just think people have forgot how good Penn State was all the way to first five games and into the first half versus yeah. Iowa before Iowa knocked out their quarterback and then they had a rash of injuries in that game. Even with that being said, that was still a respectable football team the rest of the year. Even without a their starting quarterback or he was banged up, I think you're going to – it's been quiet in Happy Valley. Yeah. I, I Maybe for a reason. So I think this is not so much a statement game as it is I just think Penn State walks away and people feel like this is the better team. So I've got Penn State – 31 Purdue 23 so that's a Penn State cover and at 54 points that is a half point over the over under I wouldn't touch that thing with a with a heartbeat I think the one other thing that's a factor here is I'm everybody wants to win this game but this is a bigger game for Penn State than it is for Purdue Purdue can easily lose this game recover and still be in the Big Ten West race Uh, this is kind of similar to what I feel about like the Indiana Illinois game if Penn State can't beat Purdue even though it's on the road, even though it's week one, you're going to have trouble beating teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. So I think that there's a heavy importance on this game if you're Penn State. So I also have Penn State winning. I have them up 31 to 28. So that is a half-point Purdue cover. And at 59 points, that is an over. All right. So we were close on a lot. Somehow we figured out a way to a couple different times, I think three times where we picked the same winner, but we picked the other team to cover. So that's something to to look out for. I like that. All right. Hey man, we better, we better get out of here. Otherwise we're going to have, I don't know if I might run out of uh, space on my computer to save this bad boy, but dude, it was great. I mean, obviously again, uh, Kurt and I and the eyes on big pod, we can't thank you enough for being able to fill in and help us out. I hope you had to have as much fun recording this, this evening as I did. Well, I would lie if I said that since I left Saturday Tradition, I haven't missed covering Big Ten football. So uh, the chance to jump in with you guys and cover this and and jump back into Big Ten coverage in some capacity is a lot of fun for me. So I truly appreciate the opportunity to come here and and uh, you know talk football every week and yep. you know hopefully not annoy your listeners too much. I don't think so. Lot, <laughs> lots of positive feedback that people are excited that you're joining on. You know, speaking of positive feedback. People are as geeked to watch this college football season as I swear I have witnessed yes. in my, you know, 40 some years on this planet. Obviously the last two years was junk. You know, we never knew what to expect. This is full on. People are stoked and ready to go. We already got a taste of that last week in week zero. And that was just a teeny tiny little appetizer. This is going to be the full smorgasbord this weekend. We got football Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, I'm not joking, my nipples just got hard when I said that. They literally, <laughs> not figuratively, they literally got hard saying that, DS, I cannot wait to watch the football this weekend. 
I'm gonna have to wait a few minutes to stand up uh, and leave my room here because of, because of what she just said. So you know, I'm fired up too, man. Like I said, the off season can be with all the transfer stuff and all the all the you know changes that are going on nil all that stuff. I know it gets a little bit too much, but as soon as Northwestern Nebraska kicked off, I was fired up, and I'm even more excited for this weekend with five straight days of college football. Cannot wait. Woo! I'm Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Dustin Schutte. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.